When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action, laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL Network. Welcome in. First show of 2022. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Alex Gold along with Grant Paulson. Grant, hope you had some good holidays, man. Good to have you back in the saddle. Uh, And also, I think our picks and everything have been a lot more competitive than all that college football we watched the other day. Those were two horrific football games. At least the NFL should shape up to be a nice week 17 for everybody. Yeah, that's the hope, right? And the NFL needs to do some heavy lifting. Disappointing days worth of semifinals, as has really been the case more often than not for many years. But we got the matchup I think most of us wanted in Alabama and Georgia, and that means we can watch that game and see probably, I don't know, a dozen or 15 of next year's NFL players going head-to-head for a national title, but I'm excited in this the penultimate week of the regular season to try to make a couple of picks and get a couple of things right. My New Year's resolution is to never be wrong. So let's hope that that happens. <laughs> yeah, that's going to make it way uh, make its way through this show, I'm sure. I'm sure that we'll, we'll get this thing started off on a good note. It does feel weird to say week 17 and know that we have another full week of regular season football before we can get to the playoffs everything. At some point today, I'm going to have to ask you, I saw you tweeted out something, and for those of you – Uh, that are watching on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL. You sent out a photo of some concoction that you called the Paulson, and I'm I'm very – I'm kind of disgusted by it, I think. I'm not even sure what it is. Uh, We need to discuss this here in in maybe the next segment or so because I I don't know what the backstory is on it at all. Maybe your listeners in D.C. are well aware of it, but for those around the country uh, here on Odyssey, Odyssey app, and, of course, on the Bet Stations – uh, maybe like myself, have no idea what is up with that grant. So I can't wait to get your your reasoning for that. But in week 17, there's a lot of playoff uh, clinching scenarios that are going on. We know there's only one AFC team, a couple NFC teams that have playoff spots clinched right now, but a lot can change here in week 17. If you take a look, though, at the current playoff standings over in the AFC right now, I mean, this thing is just a jumbled mess still. Do you think we get any clarity, really, for the most part, when it comes to really the, the four, five, six, seven spots in the playoffs. Yeah, I think we will. This is the year, the week in the season, I should say, where it normally happens. I mean, you fast forward to this season and it's an 18 week year, so it's a little bit different. But as a general rule, uh, yeah, you get second to last week of the year is really when the picture starts to come into focus. I think there are some matchups that are going to help us. I mean, the team that I'm kind of interested to see, what do they look like? How do they hold up? Is the Miami Dolphins. A lot of people are making a ton out of a seven-game winning streak, and it's hard to win seven straight games. They're the first team to ever lose seven and win seven in the same season. But my contention all along has been, you know, this is a fortuitous schedule, and a very average team has taken advantage of it with one or two decent wins along the way. When you look at, like, the win they just had against the Saints, they're playing Ian Book. Week before that, they're surviving a scare from the Jets. Week before that, they're beating the Giants. Week before that, it's the quarterbackless Carolina Panthers. So now they finish the year with a 1 o'clock kick on Sunday against the Titans in Nashville. 
and then they're playing the New England Patriots. I think there are a few teams that are going to find out once and for all what are they. And I'm also really, really compelled by the AFC North as well, where it's it's kind of a Ricky Bobby division, like your first, your last, and any given week uh, that could change and you could become <laughs> the opposite. So I'm excited to see how things play out in the North as well. Yeah, and then over on the NFC side, we know that the Packers there with 12 wins atop and the Cowboys trying to, to find a way to see if the Packers will slip up. And now with the news that the Minnesota Vikings are not going to have Kirk Cousins, it's going to look like Sean Mannion's going to be the starting quarterback. That doesn't bode well if you're a Cowboys fan, hoping that the Cowboys can catch the Packers for that number one seed. It sure looks like the Packers will be able to, to lock that number one seed up here this week. And then you mentioned the AFC North, the NFC West is, is going to be fascinating these last two weeks with the Cardinals who are slipping. They are playing those Dallas Cowboys this week. We'll get to that in our spotlight games here in just a second. And then, of course, it's the Rams who have come on here really, really strong. And I, I want to see what Cam Akers can bring to the table for the Rams going forward. It looks like he's got a real chance to play in this game after that Achilles injury. And it's kind of remarkable we're even sitting here, Grant, in Week 17 talking about Cam Akers having the ability to have an impact, not just come playoff time, but here in the final two weeks of the season. So that NFC West race is going to be fun here down the stretch. Yeah, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from the Rams. And I think the fact that they battled through some adversity and, and that they dealt with not only losing at one point in time and people jumping off the bandwagon, but they've gone through all of the things that you'd kind of like to as you get to the end of the year here, where your quarterback struggled and had to come out of that a little bit of a slump for Matthew Stafford. You know, they lost one of their best wide receivers, Robert Woods, and they've been able to elevate with Van Jefferson and bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, it looks like Cooper Cup's got a chance to break the records for catches and yards in a season for a wide receiver. I mean, so you add all of those things up, and what you get is a team that defensively feels really good about itself, offensively is pretty prolific, and has a chance to make a Super Bowl run. But I like the teams that get tested. You know, Green Bay has been through all kinds of turmoil and adversity, as you mentioned, from a health standpoint. They haven't had David Bakhtiari at tackle all year, Jair Alexander at corner. But it really has not been the, to the extent of, of the Rams where, you know, Rodgers has gone through a several-week thing or uh, some of the other issues that could belie you have already hit. So it almost feels like the Rams are as battle-tested as anybody in the conference, and I like that for them going into the postseason. All right, let's take a look at these spotlight games. Of course, uh, it is the Sunday spread. That's how we get things started. We'll get to our pick six, our Sunday studs, in, in just a little bit. But let's start with one of the huge games I referenced, the Arizona Cardinals. They are five-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Dallas Cowboys, the total around 51-and-a-half. And, and the story this week, it's been well-documented, is Cliff Kingsbury, second half of the season. That's been the huge talking point, and it's it's worthwhile because the Cardinals are 15-5-1 in games one through seven but 8-18 eight and 18 the rest of the season. And this was a story back even in the college days for Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech where they were 27-15 and 15 in games 1 through 7, but then 8-25 and 25, uh, after the fact there. That's, I mean, this is, a, this is a Cardinals team that I'm fading the rest of the regular season these final two weeks. I just don't trust the way they're playing right now. I don't like it whatsoever. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury's done, done a nice job here down the stretch. And without DeAndre Hopkins, they don't have that deep threat, and it has hurt that offensive attack, this, this high-powered offense doesn't exist right now and I don't know if they can get it back in time yeah so there's a few things I mean I, I care less about maybe the storyline of them struggling in the second half because I compartmentalize seasons as their own entity a lot of the time 
you're right that it's a trend that goes back to his college days, which is somewhat alarming. But remember, Kyler Murray got hurt, has not been the same since. I mean, I don't know that anybody wants to talk about the fact that he's not really playing at the level he once was. He looked like an MVP and a top five quarterback for a while, and that's not the case right now anymore. I think losing DeAndre Hopkins, to your point, has had a lot to do with that. You take the most explosive, best weapon off of any offense, and that offense is going to get worse. So that's happening with the Cardinals as well. There could be something, and this is anecdotal, to the fact that they are, you know, spread, throw first. We talk air raid kind of team defensively. They're about getting after the quarterback. And as you get later in the year, the weather gets colder. You know, not necessarily they're in Arizona problem, sure. but when they're on the road, you know, maybe they're not necessarily built to, to travel the same way. I think those are the types of things maybe to consider. You saw them uh, recently play in a dome against Detroit and lose by a lot. It was 72 degrees, so you can't really blame the cold weather of Michigan. Um, but something to think about. Uh, I think the Cowboys beat them this weekend. I think they beat the uh, Seahawks in week 18, and they will be in the playoffs. But I've never thought they were a legitimate contender. You know, you go back to all of our conversations. I've liked Green Bay and the Rams and the Bucks and the Cowboys more than them. So they're going to finish about where they are, in my opinion. Like, what should they have been? What should Kingsbury have gotten out of this team? They're probably the fifth or sixth best team in the conference at best. That's where they're going to finish. I care about that kind of stuff. You know, hot takers on ESPN may not because at one point in time they were the number one seed. Well, they outkicked their coverage. Like he had them playing above their skis. That's not what they are, in my opinion. Did anyone think they were better than any of the, the powerhouse teams in the NFC? I don't think so. Yeah, and I like Dallas to cover as well as winning this game. Minus five and a half. It's been pretty steady there for much of the week. And you, your point about the weather, and, and I think there is something to that and, and an issue for them in the playoffs, right? Because the way things are trending, they're going to have to go on the road. They're barely hanging on for a division crown in the NFC West. So there's a chance they could have to go on the road throughout the entire playoffs if they don't do that. Because, yes, they will be a playoff team, and that, that is going to be problematic. I agree with you for the Arizona Cardinals. And you and I, I think, are in similar mindset for the NFC picture right now as a whole and, and have been for much of the season. Like I think the Green Bay Packers are the best team in football, so therefore I think they're the best team in the NFC. I think we're, we're potentially headed down another rematch uh, like last year in the NFC title game, as a matter of fact. I think right now, I know the Bucks are banged up, but I think they'll get some of these guys back. And so I actually like the Bucks and Packers in the NFC title game. Uh, that's kind of been my, my pick through much of the season, and I, and I kind of still like the chances of that actually being the case. I, I would not be surprised at all. Obviously, that was last year's NFC title game. However, I feel a lot better about Green Bay getting there than I do Tampa Bay right now. Uh, the Bucks getting Antonio yeah. Brown back, you know, that makes a lot of sense that he's going to pick up where some of the slack has been left. But they've lost some key players. And how many of those guys are they going to get back? at the end of the regular season going into the playoffs is a big question. And also, you know, th this is maybe a bigger deal in some other sports, but when you go on that championship run, it takes a ton out of you physically, particularly when you're a more veteran-laden team. It's hard to repeat. There's a lot of reasons for that, but I believe that's one of them. Um, I, I expect them to get knocked off, I would guess, before the NFC Championship game. But you got Tom Brady. He's got the magical wand that he waves over everything and the horseshoe right. up his butt. So... Uh, that plus being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you might have a chance to get back to a Super Bowl. And the other spotlight game, though, for here in Week 17, it's in the, the AFC, an AFC North game with the, the Bengals, AFC West team. Of course, the Chiefs have already locked up the AFC West. They're trying to hold on to the number one seed. The Chiefs, four-and-a-half-point favorites 
at Sensi, the total at 51. And uh, Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo trying to do the reverse uh, Wink Martindale grant this week. We know last week that the comments from Wink and then the postgame comments from Joe Burrow uh, uh, mentioning that he was well aware of those comments uh, from Wink essentially saying, let's not put a gold jacket on this guy yet. And you have Spags, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, going the opposite route saying, Joe Burrow reminds him of a young Tom Brady. So that's the strategy that Spags wants to go with for this one. But look, for, for me, I like Kansas City to cover the four and a half. I'm going to have a pick on this. That's going to, frankly, be my pick when we get to our pick six here in a little bit. The Chiefs have covered their last six games, first and foremost, from a spread perspective. And then also, look at Kansas City the last six weeks or so. 26 points on offense, six points, 39, 13, 10, 27. That's how much they've won by in the last six games. And the Bengals, to me, are not consistent enough for me. I, you know, this, I don't know if there's been a memo. Maybe you got the memo this week, Grant. It seems like there was a memo sent out to the national media that says, please show a ton of love and talk up the Cincinnati Bengals as if they can go and beat Kansas City, as if they have this great track record of winning big-time football games. It doesn't exist. Why are we doing this? I think Joe Burrow is the real deal, but they're a 9-6 football team that hasn't won three straight all year. They were playing a Ravens team last week and put up, you know, 500 yards passing, but that was a secondary that was so depleted. So I believe in the Bengals, right? I, I do to, to maybe win a playoff game, but they're not on the same level as Kansas City. Yeah, and I think the overreaction is excitement, honestly. It's people feeling really good about what the Bengals have become, maybe feeling like they've arrived in the wake of some of the comments the Ravens and specifically uh, their defensive coordinator made, as you mentioned. But yeah, I, I like the Bengals like everybody else does. Like you, I don't think they're going to win the football game. Uh, the Chiefs are going to win this game. I'm not nearly as confident in the cover. I think it could be close. But I'm taking Kansas City, and I would feel really comfortable on a money line pick there. Joe Burrow, 2-1 to one touchdown to pick ratio, despite early season throwing a lot of picks. In fact, there was one point in time where he threw interceptions on three straight passes in a game. Uh, 30 yeah. touchdowns, 14 picks for him. He's going to end up somewhere around 4,800 yards, I'd say, this year, with close to 36, 37 touchdowns potentially. Uh, it's been an awesome bounce back year after a big injury. He is who we thought he was as the pick at 1-1. And I just think that the excitement about the renaissance for the Bengals, the fact that people, Joe Burrow, you're seeing now that they can hang in the AFC. But this is where we're going to find out that they aren't quite at the top of the conference. Like, they're good. They're the three seed right now. They're fine. But they're not on the Chiefs level. And I'm with you. I think we find that out once and for all this weekend. Yeah, we'll talk more about this game during the pick six because I do have a play on that game. Also, a prop bet involving that game as well. Real quick, uh, our final spotlight game, the Rams, five-and-a-half-point favorites at Baltimore, the total at 46. The question here around the quarterbacks once again, or the quarterback in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, who missed last week, as we all know, tried to give it a go at practice this week, had a noticeable limp, then wasn't practicing. So his status up in the air officially for this game. But the Rams, uh, on their side, they get Cam Akers, it looks like, back here. And they're 4-0 in their last four, 4-0 against the spread in their last four games. They're headed in the right direction. The injuries have finally caught up, though, to the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, they have. Beginning of the year, I didn't think they had any chance to make the playoffs because they were just ravaged. Uh, that has not stopped. Every week, it seems like another Raven or two bites the dust and is out for a couple of weeks. 
Lamar Jackson playing is not a story. Lamar Jackson has to be able to be Lamar Jackson. He's got to be able to run. I don't feel good about that, and so I think the Rams win this game going away. And I've got Baltimore out as far as the playoff picture goes. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gould. This is the Sunday Spread on BetQL. Coming up next, our Sunday studs and our pick six here in Week 17. Every Sunday morning, start your day off with FanDuel Game Day from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern with Jeremy Kahn and Chris Mack. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. Sunday studs and our pick six moments away. But as I mentioned off the top of the show here on BetQL, Grant, you tweeted out something. I believe it was on New Year's Eve, so just the other day. And it was a cup, a Washington football team cup. And it seemed like your listeners in D.C. knew what you were going for. And you said you called it the Paulson. Now, there was there was no alcohol in that. There is no alcohol in the Paulson. The Paulson is a cup of meatballs, my friend. That's all it is. <laughs> so what you do is uh, you, you make a crock pot full of meatballs. You can do this any okay. day of the year. And I would recommend doing it 365 days a year, but certainly on New Year's Eve. You get yourself a crock pot full of meatballs, and then you fill a cup full of meatballs. And then you eat them as if you were drinking out of the cup by pouring the meatballs into your mouth. That, my so friend, just, is called so, the Paulson. So you just, you just, let, you just, okay, so you just, okay. You just, you just, you just you okay. tilt your head back and drink the meatballs, basically, one at a time. Uh, so, yeah, people are very well aware, that they're well-versed in the Paulson. This is Has something this been I've passed been doing. down generation to generation in the family? Well, this is the first generation of the Paulson, and it will be passed down. I've got a son who turned one this month, and hopefully one day Truman will be doing the Paulson at his New Year's parties. <laughs> but, yeah, I recommend it to anyone who will listen. Uh, meatballs are wonderful and delicious. And, uh, you know, otherwise you got to eat them with, like, a fork off of a plate. and They're sliding all over the place. I like the, the I, little Smokies, man. You get the little toothpick, the little Smokies. That's that's the way to go on New Year's Eve for me. I'm happy You can that. do that if you want to. But I, not enough people right now in our country are eating out of cups as it is. Uh, it's a great way to just, you know, pour food into your gullet. So, yeah, the Paulson is a very successful, battle-tested uh, way of, of going about consuming your proteins. That is the Paulson platform. The big concerns of 2022 is not enough people are eating out of cups. I like it. All right, let's I'm doing get that. to... I'm getting rid of speed cameras everywhere. And oh. when you go get gas at a pump, they can't ask you 13 questions before the fuel starts coming out of the pump. They can't say, are you having a good day? Do you want a car wash? What color shirt are you wearing? What's your middle name? <laughs> It's very simple. I, I slide my card in or you slide your card in and gas just starts coming out of the nozzle. That, that, those are my platforms. I, I thought for a second you were about to tell me that you're, you were one of those states that, that had, a, had a weird law. Because what is it, Oregon and a few where you can't pump your own gas in Oregon. You know that, right? Yeah, I think Jersey's like the main one I know of just from being on the East Coast and driving yeah. through the years, like up to New York or whatever, where, yeah, someone comes out. I've always found that odd, but, it you know, Cool, I guess. Jobs, but man. No. It's all about job creation. Uh, hey, anything that gives the people, hardworking people jobs, let's do it. All right, so there's there's Paulson for president 2022. Um, all right, let's get to the pick six here on the Sunday spread. 
The Pick 6. I guess that would be 2024, but you guys are following me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, so let's get to the play that I love this week, and and it goes over to the AFC South, and, and there's some question about the availability of Carson Wentz in this game. But honestly, I, I like it whether it's plus seven with Wentz, uh, without Wentz, or plus nine if Wentz is playing. The Raiders, plus seven at Indianapolis. As of the show, it looks like Sam Ellinger is going to be the guy, but that's not a sure thing due to the ever-changing COVID protocols in the NFL. There is a chance still Carson Wentz could play. And if not, this is a huge spot for Sam Ellinger because this is a chance to secure a playoff spot. If the Colts win this game, they, they essentially will be able to secure a playoff spot. If they lose, it gets very interesting heading into the final week, although that final week, week 18, is against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But my issue here is if it's not Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor is going to get his, but it's a lot easier for the Raiders to focus in on that rushing attack. And thinking of rushing attack, the Las Vegas Raiders finally got Josh Jacobs going last week. See if that can continue into this game. But I I don't think necessarily the Raiders are going to win this. But I think seven points is too many here for a Colts team that might be without their starting quarterback and with a six-round rookie making his first start in a big-time spot. Yeah, if the rookie sixth-rounder starts the game, you're going to win the bet. I feel real good about that for you. If Wentz gets the call, I think the Colts could win this game by double digits. Could be a 10-11 point game, something like that. I'd be nervous if I'm you and I see that Carson Wentz clears the protocols and he's going to go. The Colts are legit. I mean, this is a team right now, when we were talking about the playoffs last segment, I would not want to see them. Jonathan Taylor should be an MVP candidate. I understand the value at running back compared to quarterback. Throw that out for just a second. Without him, this team is a completely different version and shell of itself. I'm also all in on the Colts because I've been watching Hard Knocks. I just love their culture from Chris Ballard and Frank Reich all the way down. Uh, Wentz made some big-time throws and some huge moments at the end of their win against the Cardinals last week. So if he plays, I expect him to be playing with confidence, and maybe they put a little bit more on his plate in the second half. Um, The Raiders as well, as you know, watching them as closely as you do uh, covering the Chiefs, they're just not a very good team. And they've also been banged up on offense most of the last few weeks. And because of that, Derek Carr just doesn't have anywhere to go with the ball. They're not that explosive. Uh, So for those reasons, I'd be nervous if Wentz played. My favorite play of the week, Alex, I love Philadelphia right now only giving Washington four and a half points. I'm not really sure why that is. And I'm sitting here just outside of the nation's capital as someone who spends four and a half hours a day talking about the football team. I don't really know what I'm missing here. Ron Rivera this week essentially said they're going to play both quarterbacks at some point in the final two games. That's the opposite of an endorsement of Taylor Heineke, who has had his two worst games of the season in his last two outings. Kyle Allen could play, who's their number three quarterback coming into the year at some point in this game. Washington, by the way, just lost their running back, Antonio Gibson, to COVID. They lost their starting left guard, who's been solid, Eric Flowers, yesterday to the COVID list. So they're still being hit hard. In addition to all the injuries they're dealing with and overcoming, they're on their fourth center among other things going on in offense. I don't think they'll have wide receiver two, Curtis Samuel. And oh, by the way, the Eagles have had everything come up for them the last 48 hours. I mean, Kirk Cousins not playing for the Vikings. That's their stiffest competitor in the wild card. Washington, again, with these COVID issues, is still dealing with problems. They're trying to catch Philly. So all they got to do is go to Landover, Maryland, where there's going to be a lot of Eagles fans at the game anyway, and win by five. I feel like I'm, I'm taking money from a baby in this game, which is normally when you're wrong. 
I'm with you on this one. I mean, the Eagles against the spread 7-1 and one in their last eight games in January. And as we know, that rushing attack now, it's not just a one or two or three or four game deal with Philadelphia. That rushing attack is legit. It's been that way for the last two months. And it's why, to your point about things breaking their way, I think the Eagles are going to end up in the playoffs when this thing is all said and done. My next pick here in the pick six on the Sunday spread uh, we mentioned it's a spotlight game. Kansas City minus four and a half at Cincinnati. I love the Chiefs in this spot. I had backed away from Kansas City for a while in terms of making picks on them. Uh, they've earned my trust once again. They're 6-0 against the spread in their last six games. Their defense creates turnovers. They're now fourth in the NFL. The story in the first half of the season was, you know, their offense uh, committing all these turnovers. Patrick Mahomes not protecting the football. Everything's reversed. It's now their defense that's fourth in the NFL in turnovers. Seventh in pressure rate. They don't give up explosive plays. And they survived last week, to say the least, against the Steelers team, despite having, you know, all, all these all these guys out with COVID, including Travis Kelsey. And they were able to just roll all over Ben Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's this defense, man. It's this defense that gives me faith and belief that Joe Burrow, as good as he looked last week, and as good as I think he is going to continue to be, they haven't seen a defense like this in a while. They really haven't, which is not something I would have said about the Chiefs. Sounds crazy, but that's what the Chiefs' defense is now. They haven't allowed more than 14 points other than one time in the last seven games. So I like Kansas City, minus four and a half. Defense is rolling. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have finally figured out uh, the defense that teams are playing. They made the story for a while. You and I were talking on this show about, you know, the two high safeties. And, man, how are they going to figure this out? Two high coverage, I should say. The highest number in the league they're going up against. Well, now they've gained a first down on 46% of the plays against two high coverage the last three weeks. So they figured out that great mystery. Uh, it just took them a while. Yeah, and you knew they were going to. I mean, they've got a savant at Andy Reid, one of the great quarterbacks of his era here in Patrick Mahomes. And all the weapons that you could ever want. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I like what they've gotten out of Byron Pringle. And I even think, you know, I know he was in your doghouse, and I'm guessing probably still is. But McCall Hardman has played a better brand of football these last few weeks. Like, they found a way to incorporate and to work those guys into the mix and their roles as three, four wide receivers, whatever they are. So there's a lot going well for them on offense. And as you said, that defensive turnaround, to me, is one of the best that we've seen in any unit, any side of the ball, in season, in years and years. I mean, they were on their way like six or seven games into historically bad numbers. And since then, overnight, almost like a switch got flipped. No, they are a completely different, really, really good group. Uh, My second play here, I am going to go back to the well on a team that has taken care of me a few times as a dog catching points this season. I've got the Detroit Lions yeah, I knew seven and a half. Right. I knew it. I knew it. I've been back in the fighting Dan Campbell's off and on here, and it's worked for me. I kind of dig the Lions getting seven and a half in Seattle. There's a couple of reasons. Number one, Seattle's offense stinks. What, are they good enough? Do they have the firepower to, to cover seven and a half? I, I know it's not 12, but it kind of feels like 12 with this offense. They have beaten one team by more than seven points since Halloween. Why should I assume that they're going to do that this weekend? There's also awful weather in Seattle most of last week. We saw a game where there was all, you know, the, probably the best snow game of the year in the league. Uh, I'm not sure what the forecast is calling for still this week, but it's been off and on pretty brutal weather this week. It's going to be cold. So I think this is a lower scoring game. I think the Lions, as they have most of the year, 
keep the game close. But just as a general rule when talking about football betting, you know, I don't do quarterback wins and losses, but I do look at how a quarterback's playing within the confines of an offense when they've got to cover points. Like, is that team explosive enough to cover 12 and a half or 13? Now, that stuff matters to me. Seven and a half is a big number for Seattle right now, as pedestrian as this offense is. All right, my, excuse me, my last pick uh, here uh, on the Sunday spread, Cleveland minus three and a half at Pittsburgh. I know the numbers of Mike Tomlin as a home underdog. It's not very often that he is a home underdog. He's 12-2-1 against the spread when he is. But I watched Big Ben for a full game in person last week. I had caught little bits and pieces of, of his performance this year. He's done. He's washed up. But no, I, I knew it was bad, Grant, but good grief. He is so bad at this point in his career. That offense is horrid. I'm not buying into one last hurrah for Big Ben at Heinz Field because it's the last game most likely for him there. I'm not buying it one bit. I like Cleveland minus three and a half. That offense in Pittsburgh is awful. It's really bad. And Big Ben hasn't helped nearly often enough. Now, I will say he's had some games where he's turned the clock back a little bit, but it just has to be frequently as you'd like. And the Steelers, as a general rule this year, have not done a good job covering. Now, Mike Tomlin, as a dog, I still like them. Like He's going to get his team up. They catch some points. That's a different situation. But if you're asking them to go out and handle their business against a team that's almost as good as them, that's a little bit worrisome for me. Uh, final pick for me, I'm going to go back to the AFC West. I know you just went to the well on the AFC West. And I'm going to take the Los Angeles Chargers to cover uh, seven plus in their game. I've got them right now looking at FanDuel updated at seven and a half. Um, I think the Chargers, who are desperate and do need the football game, have a good situation this weekend. Wouldn't have loved their game with the Broncos before Denver was decimated by COVID protocols. But if you just look at the trend the last few weeks in the National Football League, these teams that have a dozen, 15 more cases, they have a really hard time practicing. They have a really hard time preparing, getting ready for the game. They tap into an amount of depth that it's just not fair to ask teams to have, right? And specifically, you know, in, in an era where we all love yelling next man up and all these shows are going to be talking about, oh, well, did you win the game? Uh, you, your second running back's as good as your first. That's all nonsense. Like, there's a reason guys are starters and guys are backups. And with a salary cap, you, your fourth player on the depth chart is, is barely hanging on in the league. They're going to be without almost 20 players, potentially, depending on who gets out of the protocol. I should say that's how many players at one point in time were put in the COVID-19 protocol this week. So for that reason, I'll take the Chargers. And I've been doing that the last couple of weeks, kind of rolling with teams against whoever's most decimated. And I think if you've played it that way, you've won more often than not. All right. So those are our plays involving teams. What about the studs, our player, our props right now? The Sunday Spread presents the Sunday Studs. All right, so I'm going to Tampa Bay for this one and a look at their running back, Ronald Jones, under 66 and a half rushing yards. No Leonard Fournette, as we know. And I liked Ronald Jones last week as well. He's rushed for 65, 63 in his prior two games. But with the Bucs, you would think, all right, they're going to build a big lead on the Jets. You're like, all right, this is going to set up nicely. I think it's a little bit of a trap to take the over because Keyshawn Vaughn last week outperformed Ronald Jones. And you got Bruce Arians saying Vaughn's the lead dog. That's a problem. I like Ronald Jones under 66 and a half. Yeah, it's smart. It's a good play there. Uh, my favorite prop of the weekend is Cooper Cup. It's a huge number. 
106.5. Sounds like a radio station against the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> I'm taking Cooper Cup to go over that number. We're in feed the ball to Cooper so he gets his records mode. I would not be surprised if he got like 17 targets or something crazy, just designing some looks, some screens, some things his way at the line of scrimmage. The Ravens have an awful secondary as well. So he's going to go 10, you know, 109, 110, 115. 106.5 the cup, all your hits from the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> That's right. Look, I, I like Matthew Stafford's over prop too, so I'm with you on cup because I think Stafford goes over 287 and a half passing yards. Coming up next here on the Sunday Spread, we continue with Around the League. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. It's Week 17. Get the table set for all your pro football wagering needs. You're listening to the Sunday Spread on the BetQL Network with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. Happy New Year to everybody once again. First show of 2022, and we get an extra week of football, of course, in 2022. We still got one full regular season week to go before we get into the postseason. Alex Gold here along with Grant Paulson. Good to have the full crew back here in week 17 and let's go around the league full slate of course we're well done with the bye weeks we don't have any more thursday night football this is actually the final week of monday night football if i'm not mistaken as well so we're all about sunday football here on the sunday spread and we start with the game that we mentioned briefly with some of our picks and you know i like las vegas plus seven at indianapolis the total at 45 and the big question uh, as we discussed earlier grant is going to be around the quarterback and does carson wentz get cleared in time for kickoff and if the old protocols for COVID were still in place Carson Wentz would not be able to play in this game because they changed the and the CDC for that matter changed the policies from what 10 days to five days there is a chance that Carson Wentz can still play in this game if not it's the rookie six rounder Sam Ellinger making his first start not that Carson Wentz has had to you know always throw for 250 yards 300 yards and win we know he threw five passes one game uh, completed five passes and they won because of Jonathan Taylor. But if Sam Ellinger is the guy, I, I really, really love the Raiders to cover the seven points. And even even if Carson Wentz goes, I think this line balloons back up to where it opened, which I believe was nine, nine and a half. I would still consider taking the Raiders at nine plus nine against Carson Wentz if he plays. Yeah, if they can catch nine, I feel the same way as you do, even with Wentz. That's just a big number. But I feel good about the Colts winning the game with or without Wentz straight up. Uh, if yeah. you're looking at a money line play there, you're just in a pick em pool or something like that. Giants, Bears, Soldier Field, Chicago, New York getting six here. The total in this game is a beefy 36 and a half. <laughs> 36 and a half. You go, well, that's a typo. That's ridiculous. No, here's how you know uh, that that's right, is that the Giants are planning on playing Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm at quarterback. And the Bears are rolling out Andy Dalton again Ugh. as Justin Ugh. Fields is not 100% as they barrel down the stretch in the final days, very likely, of Matt Nagy. I don't think we should spend a lot of time talking about this other than to say <laughs> that the Giants and Bears fans and their fan bases will and should be watching. But anybody else, you just got to find another game. There's a lot of good football to watch this weekend. There are options. Never choose unless it's your team playing to watch a game where the total in an nfl game is under 37 
Yeah, thank goodness it's not somehow in prime time, something crazy like that, because it would be miserable for all of us. And other than those two markets, I would hope that coverage map of the game you get in your area doesn't land on Giants and Bears. I think yeah, everybody there, There's no is. paint on that coverage map <laughs> other than in New York <laughs> and in Chicago. As, as it should be. All right, next up around the league, Atlanta, 14.5-point dogs uh, at Buffalo. Or actually, excuse me, I skipped ahead. I apologize. We'll get to that one in a second. How about Tampa, minus 125 at the Jets, total at 45 and a half. The Jets, you know what? They're four and one against the spread in their last five home games when they play a team with the winning record. But if we're just going off the trends, the Bucks right now, five and one against the spread in their last six games overall. Uh, they do have Antonio Brown, despite all the injuries, Leonard Fournette, of course, Godwin, Mike Evans. Uh, I, I look at this game and I, I actually like the Bucks to cover this in two different ways. Because A, I think Tom Brady is going to put up some big time numbers in this spot. And also, I think Keyshawn Vaughn, as you guys know from earlier in my prop bets, him and Ronald Jones are, are going to also be able to run the ball and ice this thing here pretty early. I just don't like the Jets whatsoever in this spot. I understand it's a big number, uh, but I look at Tampa Bay, who is still trying to secure and have a slim, slim hope of that number one seed. It's, it's very unlikely. I think it's like 4% chance, but they're still playing for that. Whereas the Jets, to me, you get to a point in time, it's a day or two after New Year's. I know Zach Wilson is trying to prove some things, but I, I don't like the Jets in this spot at all. Yeah, if the Jets cover 12.5, it's going to be on the back door. They get a late touchdown to pull to within 11, 10, something like that, when they're actually down much more. Uh, that's the path, I would say, to a covering. I don't think it's out of the question just because of how much firepower the Bucks are missing. Plus, look at the splits. They're a different team on the road than home. They are. When they yep. go on the road this year, and you talked about this, like, it's just not the same for them. Uh, let's go to Buffalo, where the Bills are hosting the Falcons and need to try to cover 14.5 against Atlanta. Huge number. The Bills early in the season were covering huge numbers. Remember, they had like a 17 or 16-point line against the Texans where they blew them out by several touchdowns. They're coming off of their signature win of the year. They've got themselves back in the mix to win the division after beating New England 33-21 on the road. That was Josh Allen's best effort for my money. He threw for 314 yards and three touchdowns while running for 64. This is a bad Falcons defense. It's just short on personnel. Number 24 in the NFL. They're number 24 against the pass. I think there's going to be plenty of big play opportunities for the Bills. So I actually would take them to cover. I'm staying away from the game. The line's just a little bit too big for me, and I hate those backdoor options for these bad yeah. teams. But <laughs> – if I had to make a play here, I think I actually would take the Bills uh, and the number that they got to cover, you know, being doable at 14 and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. Just stay away. Stay away from this one. But I, I like what the Bills are doing. Uh, you've been gone the last couple weeks, but I, I've been saying prior to even last week, Grant, that I still think the Bills are the second best team in the AFC. I think they're still the biggest challenger to Kansas City. And it wouldn't surprise me if we end up in a situation where those two teams are in the AFC title game. But with that said, I know you like the Colts. And right now, 4-5 matchup, Bills-Colts. That's a hell of a wild card weekend game. And a bad matchup, unfortunately, if you're the Buffalo Bills, if that end ends up. Yeah, I think the Colts would win that goes. game, to be honest yeah. with you. If they that's a bad matchup. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a bad matchup for Buffalo or really for anybody. And... That would be interesting for the AFC. If you're a team at the top, like the right now, the, I guess it would be the Titans and the Chiefs, uh, you would love for the Bills and Colts to have to play each other to, to knock one of them out uh, right away in the wild card week. And we continue going around the league here on the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. Uh, how about Philadelphia? This game in your neck of the woods, Philly minus four and a half 
at the Washington football team total at 44 and a half. You and I are in agreement here. Why, why is this line where it's at at four and a half? Philadelphia is running the ball as good as anybody in football and really better than anybody in football right now. They average 204 yards on the ground. This isn't a small two or three game sample size either. I expect Philly to keep that trend going this week. Yeah, you and me both. And this is a team that just a couple of weeks ago, about 12 days ago, destroyed Washington by running it right down their throat. Now, Washington's got some reinforcements back, but not enough. We've seen the game already. It was a double-digit game. I don't think the result will be that different. This line is huge in the Jacksonville-New England game as we move on to the AFC. The Jags are getting 16.5 at New England. Now, you say, well, the Jaguars are bad and the Patriots are good. What's so crazy about that? We were talking earlier about quarterbacks and covering numbers. Again, I don't do quarterback wins and losses. There are plenty of people out there who do. They'll tell you guys good or bad based on the team record. I think that's foolish. But I do occasionally when picking football games think to myself, self, is a Mac Jones-led offense where you run the ball a whole bunch and occasionally throw it at the sticks going to cover 16 and a half? lacking explosiveness the way that they do where their best wide receiver I think has a touchdown this year in Jacoby Myers I don't know man that's a huge number I would not bet on the Jaguars which means I'm not betting on the game but if you absolutely made me play one of those two sides I'd take Jacksonville in points that's a massive one yeah, no, look, Mac, Mac Jones is a 16 and a half point favorite. Just say that out loud. It just doesn't sound right. And I, I, I still uh, don't believe Mac Jones when he has to go off script, which maybe in this game, look, maybe in this game they don't have to go off script because the Jags are that bad. But they get they get into a, a serious problem if somehow the Jags even were able to jump out to an early lead of some sort, right? I, I mean, and I know, look, the Patriots are going to end up winning this football game, but I just don't think Mac Jones is capable of beating somebody even the quality of the jags by 17 points almost which is what it's going to take in order for and them for to me, cover think this about spread. it this way gold like for them when they score touchdowns they go on 13 play 74 yard drives or whatever right the amount of those that you have to string together to win by 17 is just a big well, look number. at the total yeah hey look at the total for the game i mean i think it's a great point grant like the total is 41 and a half so you're asking yeah. you know you're asking the, the the patriots to you know to, to cover the 16 and a half spread unless you, you look Unless you think the Patriots and Bill Belichick, the great mastermind that he is, is going to cause Trevor Lawrence to just have three points or or something, I, I just don't know if, if it's a New England, you know, thirty to you know thirty to fourteen type of game or, or something like that. Which I guess in that scenario they would end up covering. But I just don't. I don't think that many points are being scored uh, in this game in order to get that point in time. All right, we continue around the league. Uh, let's go to the AFC South. The Dolphins down in Nashville taking on the Titans. Miami plus three and a half. You're getting three and a half points. The total 39 and a half. And you, you hit on this earlier. The Dolphins first team in NFL history to win seven straight games and also lose seven straight games. We know they've currently won seven straight. I, I look at Tennessee and I know a lot of people have been down on Tennessee throughout the year. I actually like Tennessee minus the three and a half in this spot. They discovered AJ Brown once again, now that he's back in the mix. I know Miami's won seven games, and it's nothing fluky in the NFL by winning seven straight games. There's no luck or anything like that when you win that many games in a row. Uh, but I look at this spot, and I like Tennessee to win and, and crush this this winning streak here for the Dolphins. I don't hate that at all. I think you're on to something with that. I'll sneak in real quick. We talked about the Broncos plus seven and a half at the Chargers. I mean, their COVID outbreak has gone all the way up to the front office and now hit 
their general manager. So one more game we haven't talked about. The Texans plus 12 and a half. Davis Mills has actually played pretty good football the last yeah. couple of weeks. As far as the kid quarterbacks go in this league with momentum going into the offseason, you know, he right now throwing the ball has more of it than, say, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or maybe even Trevor Lawrence. And that's not to say I like him more than those guys, but the way that he's looked within the parameters of an offense, the way he's throwing the ball, uh, there's – some good feelings, some positive vibes for the Texans and Davis Mills. They're at San Francisco. It's a big line for this reason at 12 and a half. We don't know Jimmy G's status and whether or not he was able to play. He might not be himself. Trey Lance could put on uh, his playing shoes for the first time and actually get some burn. That would change a lot of things, I think, for the 49ers. They would become a lot more maybe a, a run the ball, pound the, the ball down your throat kind of team. And covering 12 and a half stylistically in that way becomes harder. Um, so I'm staying away from this game just because of the uncertainty at the quarterback spot. All right, real quick, Hail Mary time here on the Sunday spread. It's now time for the Hail Mary. Okay, limited options uh, for this over at FanDuel this week. I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys to be the highest scoring team this week at plus 900. I've got a similar kind of number on Cooper Cup, your high man in receiving yards in the NFL. Ravens secondary is bad, and it is time to start feeding the ball to Cooper Cup. You're forcing the ball to him so he can break some records. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. Happy New Year to everybody. Enjoy Week 17. Sunday, get all your wagertainment with the You Better You Bet countdown to kick off from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv.